Hey, thanks for being a part of the conversation. This is Play It Forward. Real people with real stories. The struggle to play it forward. Episode number 614 is with Dr. Hannah Durkin, author of the book, Survivors of La Clotilda. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Well, I'm very proud of you. I'm so proud of you for bringing a story that has been shoved to the side for way too long. So many people do not know about this, but through you, we will learn. Well, it's it's just been a pleasure to to do this project. I certainly hope that. How did you get the information? Because, I mean, is it readily available or did you have to do some serious digging? Yes. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I really benefited from the digitization of materials. So, census data, you know, gene- genealogical data is, is really quite easy to access. I mean, often it's behind a subscription service, but you can get to it online. And also the digitization of newspapers. I mean, it's quite it's quite a laborious process. So if you're looking to try and find someone who's African born, um, you might I, I had to do lots of keyword searches to try and find information, try and find people living in Alabama who were African born who might have had you know just had a brief mention in the newspaper. So the information is incredibly fragmentary. Um, but once you part, start to piece it together, it's incredibly revealing. One of the things that is so special about this book are the photographs. The photographs, along with the storylines, you're, you're making this sound like that it's something that is happening in our present place of now, because now we can see a face. Now now we can you know connect the stories together. And, and I love the way that your editor, or even you, bridge this together. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like a photograph for, you know, for actually bringing someone to life as a person, or even film footage. So there is film footage of two of the Clotilda survivors. Um, easy accessible online. Obviously, it's not in my, they're not in my book because you, you can't uh, include a moving image. But um, there is film footage of Nadoshi and um, Kazula or Kudjo Lewis, who were the second and third longest missed Clotilda survivors. Now, being down here in the South, which, you know, the South was affected by slavery. And, and the thing is, is that we, we, you know, we go to the historic places, but a book like this is something that needs to be read. And now let me go back to Charleston. Now let me go back into, into the, the lower Georgia cities and things so that we can learn about what really took place on this soil. Absolutely. And you can go, I mean, hopefully people will have the opportunity to, you can go to Africatown, which is where a large group of Clotilda survivors were enslaved and where they yep. established their own um, free community. And there is a heritage house. You know, there is, the, you know, there are places you can visit that were established by the Clotilda survivors. So the church that they established is still there. So you can get a bit of a sense of, you know, where they lived and, and what their life was like. Yeah. I love how you stepped out and you called it exactly what it is. Kidnapping. That is a big word, and yet it does put focus on what really was taking place. Yeah, because, um, I mean, horribly, most of the Katilda survivors were very, very young people, um, in many cases, children. So the youngest was just two years old, um, and she was kidnapped with her mother and three of her sisters, and her two brothers were left behind. So I think the only way to convey the horror of that separation it is to call it out for what it is and to make us reflect on just what the transatlantic slave trade meant because of course you know britain was i'm in the uk and um certainly throughout the 18th century you know britain trafficked about three million people um, which was a large percentage of all people who were trafficked across the atlantic i mean traffic is 
technically not the right word because it was a legal trade at that time, but but um, it helps to you know, helps to put it in more context. I think. You know, what's interesting, Doctor, is the fact that uh, uh, you, you talk about Britain and, uh, you know, I guess maybe we're just American selfish because it seems like when we talk about slavery, oh, it's America, it's America. We forget that it was other parts of the world. Yeah, and I think Britain's guilty of that in the other way. So we don't talk about slavery enough because we think it was over there. It, it was in the Americas. Yeah. But of course, it was British people or people of British descent um, who were doing this in, in many, many cases. And, of course, the captain of the Catilda, he was a Canadian man, but because he was born in Canada, um, he proudly regarded himself as a British man because, of course, he was a, you know, this, this was the British Empire. So, technically, you know, the last um, U.S. spaceship captain was, was a Brit. So, I think, we, you know, we should reflect on that over here as well and, um, and reflect, of course, on how so much of the wealth of the transatlantic slave trade is formed into all these beautiful British stately homes and so how it's shaped our history to the past as well um, certainly 400 years more than that really how do we keep it in the everyday conversation? Because, I, I, like I said, we, we have become this generation that likes to shove things to the side and keep marching forward but it, this has got to be a part of the everyday conversation Yeah, we need to reflect on what humanity is capable of so we hopefully don't because although one often, you know, I mean, so human trafficking is still ongoing. Yes. Certainly. You know, and, but also we need to reflect on what we are capable of doing to each other as human beings because of, because in many cases of greed um, and, you know, recognize, you know, we need to learn those moral lessons. But also I think it's so important. And I was um, spending time with descendants of Clotilde survivors just this past week and how it's important to them to be able to connect with their history and their heritage and, and understand that and understand who, who their ancestors were. Um, and so I think it's such an important story for, you know, for them to be able to hold on to. And also people wanting to, yeah, to trace their history, uh, you know, people who, whose history has been erased by the transatlantic slave mm-hmm. trade. I think these, these Clotilda survivors speak for so many people, not just their own story, but I think because there are so few um, narratives or so few testimonies yep. Yep. by middle passing survivors that these uh, Clotilda survivors speak, speak to them all, mm. especially the women, because there are almost no female accounts of the middle passing. Yeah, and you talk about those children too, don't you? I mean, the sale of 103 surviving children, I mean, that, that's the thing about it is that, that that hits me in the heart really hard. Yeah, because, I mean, they're so young, just so young, but so many of them are still alive in the 20th century. Yeah. So Matilda McCrea, who was just two years old when she was kidnapped, she survived until January 1940. Her grandson is still alive. I, he was just taking me around Selma, the, you know, just this past week, driving me around Selma, um, taking me on a tour of key sites, including the house where she died. And it really brings it home to you just how close that history is how it's um people who are alive today who you know who are just two or three generations removed from the transatlantic slave trade wow I, ju- I just can't imagine what you went through as first of all uh digging in and, and and getting the information putting it on the pages and now you're relinquishing your book to us i mean you're you're such it, it's it's almost like you've been called to do this so that the future can't forget it 
Yeah, I think if I hadn't knowing, you know, when I first identified a Clotilda survivor, kind of by accident, really, because I just stumbled upon her name. I think if I hadn't, I, I feel like I would have been complicit in a sense in that elision because this was a hidden history. And for a long time, the Clotilda, the Clotilda voyage was dismissed as a hoax. Yep. The descendants were railing for decades against that and trying to secure you know, recognition. Lots of, you know, I guess this isn't, isn't just about, I mean, lots of descendants and the, you know, the historians or the writers, you know, have, have attempted to tell this story and I've certainly done it in a more comprehensive way. But I think um, it's been a battle for previous um, writers and descendants to, to get that recognition. Wow. Um, and, you know, get that history in the public domain. Right? Yeah. You've got to come back to this show anytime in the future. I love your story, and I'm gonna, I want to help you get this word out so far. So, and let, let it wrap around the world so people can get it in their conversations. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. It really has. Thank you. Will you be brilliant today, okay, Doctor? Thank you. Take care. Have a great day.